Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with the man you know best from his role as Keith Gideon on the 1979 Fantasy Island episode, On the Other Side. Please help us welcome <laughs> Ike Eisenman. Ike, how are you today? I'm awesome. How are you? Good. <laughs> Well, I always I always get a little scared when I hear your intros because I don't know where they're gonna go. But that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, all right, we we're going to do forgotten films. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to preface everything by saying that this was your choice to do, and yes. you have a whole story. You now you were almost in this, right? Um, let you yes. This. Yes. So, well, let me I, let me introduce the film, and then I'll sort of roll into it because yeah. uh, I'll preface it. Um, by saying that it was like the only thing I've ever turned down and thank God I did because um, it was the best decision I ever made. And we'll get I, into the, you, the, the night, the nightmare of that. Oh my God. Okay, good. Now I'm excited. I knew this was going to be fun to talk about, but anyway, yeah. it's called the bluebird and mm -hmm. it's uh, um, a film that came out in 1976. And um, let me just, I, I'm going to run down the, the, um, yeah the synopsis, synopsis real quick the first film. and then we'll get into the rest of the stuff so it's based on a russian play and it tells the fairy tale of these two peasant children who are led on a quest for the bluebird of happiness by the queen of light who gives them a hat with a magic diamond that allows them to call forth the souls of all things both living and inanimate and on their journey they're accompanied by this group of human personifications one's a dog a cat water uh, water literally flowing water as a person <laughs> sugar as a human bread as a human per personification milk and fire all right um anyhow they visit the kingdoms of the past and the future and the queendoms of night and luxury along this whole journey that these brought this brother and sister go along go on and in at each place they absorb more wisdom learn a little bit more about being human and what it means to be happy or unhappy or tragedy and all of this stuff um and then eventually at the end of their journey they end up back home of course where they discover that the bluebird which they've been seeking this whole time has been in their own backyard all along so that's the upshot of it. And it and it, you know, it has all of the earmarks of a good fairy tale without any of the qualities of a bad fairy tale. Um <laughs> so the thing about this film, um I just want to say quickly though, your your explanation right now was a lot more coherent than the film. But go ahead. I, I, yes, I know. I know. And I, even, even as I was saying, I was like, okay, well, you know, it took a little while. I had to pull from, you know, some other synopses on online just because I thought, man, I don't think I can sit down and write the synopsis because it was so, you know, scattered and strange. And so many things in the story happened for absolutely no reason that you can, you can put together. And even at the end, when you think, okay, all these themes are supposed to come together somehow. It's just about the flattest, most dull um, 
unsatisfying ending I've ever seen in 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 any fairy tale period. But it was directed by George Cooker, who is, and I'm not, Which is, is it Cooker or Cooker? Yes. It is. I mean, it's like he's the director of like the 1956 version of A Star is Born and My Fair Lady and A Philadelphia yep. Story. And I mean, all of these amazing movies. And look at the look at the cast. Yes, <laughs> we got Taylor, Elizabeth Jane Taylor. Bond. She's she, she's like <laughs> the main Tyson. star. She plays the, she plays the children. She plays like three. Yeah, like sort of like three or four characters where she plays the children's mother. Then she plays a witch that appears at the beginning out of nowhere for no reason, who then turns into the human personification of light, mm -hmm. which becomes the the guide for the children on their journey into the nightmare kingdoms that they visit. Um, and then there's Jane Fonda. She represents mm -hmm. night. Cicely Tyson plays the human version of, yeah. of the cat. <laughs> Then Will Gear shows up in the beginning as their dead grandfather who's lost in their memory. And she, <laughs> their grandfather and grandmother only wake up and and you know experience their afterlife when the children think of them, which is not often enough, apparently, because they're sleeping all the time, mostly. And yet I found that section a, a bit Ava fascinating. Ava Gardner. I mean, it's so yeah, and Ava Gardner, who is the personification of luxury, the human the human um not frailty failing of luxury in this very weird space that kind of looked like a circus tent and a banquet room and all these characters representing these different aspects of oh god it was just aspects of wealth ignorance um whatever so those those are the main stars and mm -hmm. The uh, the two yeah, children Todd are Lincoln played Linda, by Todd Luckenland, yes, and then Patty Kensett plays yeah. uh, plays a sister. So here's the deal. All that being said, um, not long after, and I, I've been trying to figure out the chronology of this because it's always tough for people to understand, not understand, but when you work these things out, th this film was released in 1976. Escape to Witch Mountain was released in March of 1975. Um, I shot Witch Mountain in April, May of 1974. So there's always a big lead time before a film comes out. And what I cannot remember is if Escape to Witch Mountain had come out, it I feel like it must have. Because I get this sudden offer to for this role in this film called the bluebird and i'm all excited you know it was a flat-out offer i did not have to audition i didn't have to read or anything did you know the cast when you made the offer yes didn't know the cast. yes okay. um i didn't remember what the whole cast was but i remember my agent saying okay here's the deal you really need to think about this they would love for you to play this role um, but the thing is, this is, this is going to be a co-production between the United States and the Soviet Union. And that's the first thing we hear. Um, <laughs> it's all going to be shot in, in Soviet, you know, in Russia. It's like we get Russia, Soviet Union all, all, all blended together, but the whole thing's going to be shot in Moscow and Leningrad. And, but here are the stars. They've got Elizabeth Taylor, Jane Fonda, and they're rattling off all these names. And I'm sitting here going, oh, wow. You know, on the one hand, it sounded like something incredibly fascinating 
to be a part of. And then on the other hand, I'm 12 years old and the Soviet Union is looming so large as this horrific, terror-laden part of the world that no one should go to, let alone want to go to, let alone work in. And, and I was extremely nervous at the idea. But anyway, my agent said, look, the part is yours. Take a couple of days, think about it, and then let me know what you want to do. So my parents and I started to research this and started asking other people because we had enough friends and producers and in the business that we could talk to people and, and find out what they thought. And one of the first people I spoke to was um, one of my dearest set teachers, Irene Burke. I worked with her on a, on, on several gun smokes and uh, she was the set teacher on Escape to Witch Mountain. Very sweet, incredibly knowledgeable, educated woman. And um, she went, mm, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, how long do you think you're going to be there? And I actually have some sense memory that she she was had been approached to be the set teacher for it and may have turned it down or maybe was considering it. I don't know, because she's very prominent in her field at the time. But she said, here's the problem. Um, you you are probably not going to be able to take all of your school books into the country. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she <laughs> said, every single person's luggage that goes into the Soviet Union is is held and and um and searched it's all opened up and searched doesn't matter if there's a lock on it they will cut it open with a knife and examine everything that's in it and anything they find questionable or they don't want in the country they'll simply take it and they won't tell you then they give you your your damaged luggage back and and you've got to deal with that and i you know school was very important to me i have to say i never wanted to get behind and i you know, wasn't sure, I, you know, the shooting schedule was supposed to be something like two months or, or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in going to be in the Soviet Union for two months. May not have all my school work. Might not even be able to bring my lessons in. Who knows what they're going to take? And I thought, man, I, I wouldn't even know how to catch up with all that at that point. So then we have other friends who are saying, well, Elizabeth Taylor, she had developed a reputation by that point of being not only difficult, but completely, um, just um irresponsible she just she wouldn't show up for for filming sometimes oh, wow. sometimes <laughs> days or weeks at a time she'd show up when she wanted to and everyone had to jump in and go to work and 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 then they also said well you know jane fonda is another you know <laughs> she's another powder potential powder keg there so <clears throat> you know you got to think about that more than likely this thing's going to go way long and over you know over over schedule and over oh, they did over, tell you that they warned budget. you about that Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. They said be primarily because of Elizabeth Taylor. Mm -hmm. And um, so this, this thing was actually already because of the state of production it was in, or it was getting close to going into production. It was all over the trades. So we're reading all the rumors about what's going on in this. Wow. And I just got everything I heard. I got scared. I got nervous. I said, I don't think I want to do it. I don't want to be gone that long. And, and that was just no place I wanted to go. So I turned it down. And um, Todd Lookinland um, landed the part. And, um, and sure enough, man, everything everybody said was right. <laughs> our, our instincts were right. Production didn't start for a month because Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor had not shown up. Oh my God. <laughs> and 
now what what you what you what you had there and all of this stuff was coming out in the trades on a weekly basis what was going on with this production it was absolutely the biggest most disastrous train wreck of a production that ever got actually finished next to hell's um not hell's um, heaven's gate it actually got this film got finished because half the crew is american half the crew was russian speaking no one could communicate with each other the american crew showed up all the camera equipment was decades old the cinematographer had never shot a film in color before um <laughs> and the sets you know and we'll get into your impressions but the sets looked like they were built by you know like some like um community college you know design program they were horrible absolutely horrible and um the, did you see that the, story but you said the sets were did you see that story by uh who told, told about this no uh-uh i've he, seen he, a few stories but i i didn't see the one kukor told kukor is kukor said, right yeah yeah george kukor <laughs> kukor yeah. i don't know how to pronounce it but i never he, i've never known he he said that he was he told the crew there how honored he was to be able to that he was recording on the same set as Battleship Potemkin was uh, recorded on. And they said, it's probably the same machinery. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> so now you've got that is already screwing things up. But Elizabeth Taylor is a month late to, sh to, to start shooting. So I could not even imagine sitting in Moscow, you know, um, trying to figure out what to do for a month while we're waiting for the lead actress to show up. Um, and then the living conditions were so bad. The weather was so horrible. Everyone was, all the Americans were miserable. And um, James Coco was originally cast <laughs> to play the, the dog character. And he got a gallbladder infection because he couldn't <laughs> eat the food. It was so horrible. He could only eat bread and butter, I think it was. And... <laughs> then he had to be replaced by another actor so that all the scenes he'd already shot had to be reshot then elizabeth taylor got dysentery and had it consistently throughout the shoot and so that slowed things down and then she was primarily the one i believe responsible for getting the cinematographer replaced because she saw the dailies of everything she had been shooting and it all looked horrible <laughs> And so she got him, the Russian guy fired and got an American cinematographer on board. And then they had to read all her, reshoot all of her scenes oh. later in, in, in post-production. So quite literally, it was just the biggest nightmare one could possibly comprehend in a situation like this. But what's funny about this is one of the articles I read in, in moviemaker.com uh, movie uh, they talked to Todd Lookingland about his experience, and he had a great time. <laughs> As a kid on the set, yes. <laughs> he had a great time. Um, he said the movie's horrible, but he said that he, he did have end up having a good time. So I'm really glad he got to do it then because he gets to carry those memories around. For me, right. it would have been a nightmare. I, I would have been absolutely terrified and probably would have done a terrible job. Well, I so, want to ask now about that because was there some part of you that – even knowing all this stuff, just thinking, hey, I get to work with Elizabeth Taylor and Jane Fonda, who's huge then too. Is there somebody that thought maybe I should do this just to get to work with those people? Yeah, absolutely. Because you see those names and George Cooker and you think, yeah, 
I mean, it's My Fair Lady, for goodness sakes. These, mm-hmm. This is going to be a major production. They're going to turn this thing into, into something <clears throat> really potentially wonderful. Um, so I felt I dealt, I felt a huge pang in my heart over having to say no, because I didn't like to say no. You know, my, my whole watchword for my career was I want to work. I don't want to not work. So when I get yeah. offered work, I take the work. And and this was it was it was a really tough call. And I just said, I, I can't do it because the other thing was going to have to happen is I was going to have to pay a set sitter to go with me or my grandmother was going to have to go with me because my mother couldn't leave the country for that long and my You'd father have to pay. The, the production doesn't pay for that for the child actor. oh heck no no really? no not back then no oh my god no wow. i actually i did i had a paid set setter that i started working with right after witch mountain um because i started working so much my father wow. was my primary he was he was my primary set setter my stage father because um, he was an actor and he had the time but then he had to get he had to you know pay attention to his own career because he was only half the breadwinner. He wasn't really the breadwinner in the household, but my mother had to work. So neither one of them could fly to the Soviet Union for you know, two months, let alone the production ended up taking almost a year uh, to to shoot. So it, 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 you know, and it was a nightmare in terms of the time frame as well. But yeah, there was a huge pain. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. But once I heard the stories, I went, oh my God. And then the movie comes and comes out. I didn't even go see it because it it had barely come out when absolutely every every review was just like oh good god how do you put all these people together and end up with such a horrible 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 movie um when did you first see it then uh this last weekend really this is the first time you watched it ever first time that's why i wanted to do this i really wanted to do this because it is it's a movie that that really film buffs should see I think it has a historical, um, you know, uh, relevance and a pop culture relevance because you just want it because the only way you can watch this movie. And I only like to we only I know you and I have agreed. We only bring up forgotten films that are available in some form. And for years, I'd been trying to find the Bluebird on on um dvd or vhs or something because i you know there was a time period when i thought man i wonder what that movie i wonder what it was like i should see it and then i couldn't find anything um and then i gave up on it because i think i think um i didn't realize i mean youtube has turned into such a monumentally valuable um place for finding these things that you you know they're not available commercially whether it's old tv shows or old movies or you know whatever it is all kind obviously all kinds of things but i just did a uh, um i just said you know what? i'm gonna check and see if it's on youtube and god i couldn't believe it and there it was and i thought okay well now i can pick this as a forgotten films because it is at least available on youtube and what's interesting is it's a it's a um a portuguese, portuguese. <laughs> version because it has portuguese subtitles on it thankfully it wasn't dubbed in well they never would have spent the money to dub it in portuguese um <laughs> just to be able to hear the performances uh you know straight from the you know the major movie stars mouths that came out and um and so yeah so i've never had a chance to see it so this this was i was definitely excited to sit down and see it and then i realized i had to staple myself in my seat to keep from <laughs> getting up and you know going and you know getting getting another glass of water or just 
standing outside for a while just to try to avoid it. And I thought, no, no, I got to finish this. I got to finish this. I got to finish this. So, okay. So I've been yammering for a good long time here. What was your impression? I... I get what you're saying about going wanting fidgeting and going away, but this is like a train wreck movie to me. That's like, you can't turn away. You keep watching it, it. It was such a bizarre film. It was so bizarre. And the opening of it, I'm thinking this is, this is like something from the thirties or forties. And it, just the way the, the film was and the, the style to me and you know, it said I thought this is like a Heidi movie or a Shirley Temple movie, and then I read it had been a yeah, Shirley it Temple was, movie. Was it? Yep, right, nineteen forty. Yep, I, I sure didn't, was. I did, and I, I never saw this Shirley Temple movie, and I did not know this ahead of time because I wanted to go in clean watching it. But when I read after, yeah, it makes sense that it was a Shirley Temple movie because that's what it reminded me of watching it. Um, it just everything was bizarre about it. It, I, I didn't even like. I even thought. Elizabeth Taylor was phoning it in with a lot of her acting. It just it just seemed like she was just, you know, oh, what's my line? And I'm just going to say it. No emotion behind it, some of them. Or just like, I'm going to say it in the most childish way possible. Uh, it uh, And then the the people turned into, you know, the, turned, the animals turned into people. I mean, like kind of the personification of the animals. Was Cicely Tyson, what was it, George Cole, the other one? That was so creepy to me it's just oh it was beyond creepy to me especially when the dog comes to life and what's well, the first the thing dog you... is nuzzling with the kid it's oh, like, yeah kissing him i must kiss you i must kiss you and he starts to lick his neck and i'm like going oh, i could not have shot that scene i could not have done it i couldn't have done it i couldn't have done it thank god this it wasn't me it was just it was yes. horrifying it was horrifying <laughs> And and he kept wanting, didn't he wanted to kiss everybody? And it was just like, oh my God. And you talk about at least, at the very least, the costume design for the other characters. I'm going to remind everyone because you're not, you're not seeing this. No one has this movie in their head, period. But believe me, I'll, pictures will be put up on the, on the YouTube version of this. So you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. But these are human personifications of fire, water, sugar, milk, and bread right and at least the costume designers came up with something interesting even cicely tyson's outfit was quite interesting she looked like a human version oh, of a cat <laughs> but the dog it looked like a cheap dog suit it was just it looked like they had the mask did the rope around <laughs> like, yeah, the leather collar right. you know and then and then the whole zipper up his back it's like yeah. are you kidding me there were so many other ways they could have done it and still come across as the personality of a dog. And I will say, I'm, I am I absolutely loathe it, it every time dancers come out and do interpretive, I'm, a, I'm fire, I'm fire, I'm water, I'm water. I just, I can't stand that stuff. And yet these dancers actually, once I kind of got with it and they're all, you know, now that they're human, they're expressing themselves, the the soul of fire and water and all that. I thought, you know what? This is not that horrible, but it was so uncomfortable to watch. And it was the sequence went on forever. I was going to talk about that too, because this was, you saw this was a Russian film. This was yeah. Soviet. That's that's their form of entertainment for kids. These the whole the whole thing is just you're watching a Russian film. 
to me. This was not yeah. intended for American kids. This yeah. is a Russian thing. How what they thought what Russian kids would like or should like, you know, let's give them the high, you know, the culture of the ballet or whatever. It, it was it was kept reminding of this is a Soviet film while watching it with, the, with those dancers there. There was no way around that to me. I just don't know, I, you know, unless it was just the power of George Cukor that that was able to attract these movie stars. They obviously had enough of a budget to pay them. Um, so I, 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 other than that, I can't I can't fathom why they would want to do this. And I mean, yeah, it was it was just like it, it was so. They thought they were going to be making a classic for kids that would be last generation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and 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 I always say that no one goes into a movie to to make a bad movie. Everyone goes into it trying to do their very best job and make it a success. And you know, and yet bad new movies are churned out all the time. But on a scale of of like movies that are disasters, this ranks so high in that pantheon. <laughs> and literally the moviemaker.com article i was reading qualified it as a completely forgotten film because it was such a box office disaster that everyone I never heard of it wiped, before you mentioned it never <laughs> they just wiped their hands of it well the only reason i would have mentioned it is because i had a connection to it and i thought <laughs> this 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 will be a fun one to do and you know maybe a few people will go check it out because actually on youtube it's been up there for five years i think and it's got like fifty five thousand views so people are watching it and there were a lot of comments in portuguese on there which i thought was quite interesting several people who said I, I, you know i i've been trying to find this movie thanks for posting it and and you know as always every time i dislike something as much as i do there's there's this smattering or handful of people that that actually really really like it so you can never i just you can never ever tell so all i can say i can't say it's i can say it's bad but i always like to qualify and say i couldn't stand it rather than saying it's bad because that's subjective and not objective it's so not, it's I, not, I have it's not shakes the clown bad i mean it's not that <laughs> yeah we'll see there you go there you go again where you and i differ but i have to say something about jane fonda um uh, this this might have been rumor it might not have been true and i swear i thought i read about this either in wikipedia uh the wikipedia page about uh the, the movie or some other article but apparently jane fonda was causing trouble on the set because she kept too. she kept <laughs> you did place. read it okay so you found I it. it i couldn't find it again but where she got in there and she was trying to like organize the soviet cast uh, crew members and tell them they should strike for better pay and oh that's all... not what i read i read something different but along those lines <laughs> uh, well it, it was that kind of stuff and 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 the other cast members had to go up to her and say do you understand we're in the soviet union right. i mean that you just that <laughs> you can't talk about that kind of stuff with these people it's like you can't you can't do that and i guess she finally just let it go but again about her i thought she was probably the only really interesting performer in the whole movie i actually liked kind of how she portrayed the opening of her character she actually did something with it and then the whole sequence went nowhere because i mean she plays the, the 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 queen of night and she's protecting all the horrors you know in her in her queendom behind locked doors so that they won't get out and 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 you know harm humanity 
And then I thought, I thought, well, you know what? She's actually doing something very interesting. And then, then it all just unraveled, you know, like a bad, bad sweater. Um, But yeah. You like the part with (laughs) Jane Fonda's character gets in front of the door, the lock that when the kids are down in her kingdom and she's like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. You can't. And the kid said, oh, I want to. She says, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. That's why I said it just fell apart. I'm glad you quoted that because it was just like, wait a minute. He's got the key. He doesn't need her permission. He can go do it anyway. And that's what he's supposed to do. Once he has the key, he can open all the doors. And his job is he's supposed to open all these doors to look for the bluebird. Because that's all they're doing is looking for this bluebird. And 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 I'm going to bounce back. I had to rewatch the part of the opening of the of the film because i thought this entire journey that these two kids go on is, is the most unmotivated thing i have ever heard of there was no reason for them to need to go and find the bluebird until until all of a sudden this old hag of of, of a witch character just suddenly appears in their in their house and says she needs it so she needs the kids to go find it because a girl is sick and she's unhappy and she needs happiness. So you need to go out and find this bluebird for her and for me. And I thought, wow, man, talk about a shotgun start. Jeez. I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I had to watch it a second time because I couldn't even remember why are they doing this? Yeah, You know, it, it I mean, about, oh, going, going back to Jane no, Fonda, no, 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 please, please jump in. It was no, just yeah. going back to Jane Fonda part. That what I had read <clears throat> is that along similar lines, she kept talking to all the people, all the crew about Karl Marx and talking, which I could see doing. Oh, that's what, Fonda. yes, you know what? I stand corrected. That's what it was. Yeah. And they, and they all telling her, and they, that, you know, we're already communists. <laughs> Yeah, so you don't, yeah, you don't have to convince anyone. <laughs> yeah, and the um, thing, right? I read the same thing that they had to tell her to knock it off because they were getting irritated by you. By it. Yeah. But, oh my God, it's just like the movie has no cohesiveness to me. It's just like what you just said. It's just scene to scene, and there's like no motivation. There's there's never never really any threat. You don't feel any threat to the kids at all. Yeah. Which, which, you know, there's no tension for that. It's just, let me hop to the next place that I have to be at. Um, and as even, it was comical when, you know, they try to give attention. And Cicely Tyson was putting her all into it. She was really, <laughs> like, overly so. She was putting yeah. her all into, like, the, trying to build up the tension. But she was the only one doing it, <laughs> I thought. And uh, it, it, it was comical. It was bizarre. And I, I agree with you you have to watch this movie, not just for the historical aspect of it. I, I think you should see it just to see how bizarre this film is. Yeah. And by the way, the, the Shirley Temple movie, if you looked at that one, I, so I went back and looked at all the things about that movie as well. It got panned. It got killed in reviews also. So they made a film of a, of a movie. They made a remake of a movie that had already gotten killed the first time in reviews, and they just went ahead and did the same thing. Well, it's been made five times, apparently. Right. An animated version. It was originally a play. I thought it was at least based on a like a, a you know an old fairy tale of some kind, but no, it was this play. And and I didn't really read anything about the play, so I don't know if it was. It must have been somehow successful in Russia, but like you said, there's the like you know culturally there's 
especially, I mean, storytelling is the root of all of this, right? And each culture has its own way of telling stories and it's handed down for, you know, hundreds of years and it, it carries over, you know, you, and, and it doesn't cross over unless you're a real cinephile or somebody who is, you know, really interested in the stories of other, of, you know, from, from other cultures and, and what is fascinating to to those cultures i mean i'm i'm always fascinated by still to this day of movies that are flops in the united states but are huge hits in like you know germany or mm -hmm. in england or in japan i mean usually you it's know, france that's the one that's it's the huge yeah. hit in france japan actually jumps on board a lot of a lot of movies that you know it's like bad news bears now bad news bears is a great you know great fun movie we love we love it but the fact that it was such a huge phenomenon in japan blew me away and i didn't know anything about that um um until we did our show with oh gosh i forgot I, I forgot his name who was in uh who was in bad news bears but anyway um you know that's always fascinating and, and i think you're absolutely right this is this was this was geared towards russian russian fairy tale russian storytelling russian children and yet there's not much information on how well it was received in the soviet union or even if it got a chance to play because that you know, i didn't see that's that would be interesting to find out if yeah it was, i mean uh, yeah if it was yeah. done if it was like a big hit there or something i have no that, that would be interesting to take a look at yeah um because yeah i think i i did see the box office numbers it did like eight hundred thousand in the united states which is kind of amazing and a million five worldwide so by the way it's david pollock from uh David years. Pollock, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that that extra seven hundred thousand dollars could have been <laughs> Russia alone. Um, but that it even made that much money in the United States is incredible. Um, so I, you know, but yeah, it's it's like finding these things is. Yeah, you and I never would have known about it had I not had a personal no, connection. I, to it. I, I yeah. but I couldn't, I couldn't watch it, really without thinking of you doing that role now because I knew that you had off been offered that thing. That's what I thought I remembered. Well, yeah, Todd Lookinland. I mean, if you if you look at him, he and I are so similar in in our in yes. our um, in our look. Yeah. You know, we were we were both that blonde haired, cute kid um and he did the best he could this was you know he did the best he could and he he you well, know i thought he did a, i thought i thought he showed like plenty of no 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 i thought he did a very very good job it's just that it's it's the kind of it was a kind of film you know where where every everyone suffered and i'm not talking about just him um or the girl but everyone suffered because the film is shot in so many master shots with no coverage no close-ups no two shots no close shots so there was no opportunity to edit to move things along to cut to reactions and you've got these actors standing around trying to decide do i react to this do i not react to that and they don't react to it and then they do and they sort of do and then maybe they don't and it's like god it just it, it it looked like a high school production of a play you know the whole thing to me i, I also felt that the movie didn't know what it wanted to be well, no, yeah, because there was like some songs in there. Did they they wanted to be a musical, but they didn't really go full into 
musical right. mode. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it 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 just and train wrecks the best. It's such such an overused term, but so accurate. It's just the train wreck that just never ended. It just never ended. It just kept going and going and going. And then you got this. I hate ending. the ending. By the way, you mentioned the ending. That the the I, oh. I hate endings like that. Well, the bluebird was here all along. Yes, I know. Well, you know, it's it's like it it that's the Wizard of Oz. I mean, really, that's the thing about it, it. That's that is the crux of 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 the Wizard of Oz. But now we're talking about an extremely well told story, you know, and a great movie. And you know, it is it is a character's journey to find themselves. I mean, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot until you just mentioned that right now. Uh, you you did you read anything on the Shirley Temple version? No. Okay, that's exactly what the Shirley Temple version was done. The Bluebird was done because of the Wizard of Oz. That's uh. what I said last night because they wanted their own fairy tale type thing. They even started it in black and white, like Wizard of Oz, and went then went into color, trying to do the same exact thing. They thought this was going to be their big, huge musical hit with Shirley Temple. And they patterned it really after the Wizard of Oz. So that's exactly what they were going for. You just mentioned it, the Shirley Temple. So this was, you know, a remake of the Shirley Temple thing. It just didn't work. Oh, and the ending, besides that the Bluebird was here all along, the spoiler, I'm sorry for everyone, if you intend to watch it, that's the spoiler. But it was so creepy at the end too, when Todd looking when, you know, like, you know, just he grabbed that girl's hand and gave for the kiss like it's just oh a, jesus just... i know i know there were so many inappropriate things and i, I there's one I, I don't even want to mention because i just don't want people to go look for it i mean there was so much inappropriate representation of behavior that i thought wow i mean god really what are what are the grown-ups in the room thinking you know these <laughs> they're just yeah it was yeah the kiss it's like the whole point is to give this gift of the bluebird to this right. girl so she is happy then all of a sudden she's happy because of the bluebird and then todd oh that's what i think the kiss happened before he took it out of the cage that was the other thing that was so bizarre um they, they the the brother and sister bring the bluebird to the girl in a little cage that they're carrying okay so she brightens up and she starts to become happy and then she she wants to lean in and it really looks like she wants to kiss him on the mouth and <laughs> and then he he backs away and then his sister says don't be shy go for it you know go for it <laughs> and then he looks back and then yes has to leans over and kisses her on the cheek and then she brightens up again and then then they go through this whole very weird thing where he opens the cage takes the bird out hands it to her so she can pet it mm -hmm. and then the bluebird escapes and flies off into the air and the girl wants to cry. And he says, don't cry. We'll spend the rest of our lives, you know, trying to catch it for you again. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? What? Um, but, ah, oh, God, it's just, it's just such a great, it's such a great example of how truly horrible something can be with the best of intentions <laughs> the very best of intentions and i you know there's no other way i can say it because well, there are actually some i think there's some visual things in it that i liked 
you know, I liked the transitions uh, between the scenes with the huh? <laughs> when it said the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I was thrilled at that because I thought, oh, good God, now I'll go get a cup of coffee. But um, it, they they used like these paintings, these very stylized paintings that represented what the next character was going to be that was introduced or the next scene that was going to be introduced. And instead of just cutting to it, they did kind of like a dissolve into that and then a dissolve into the into the scene that the painting represented. And I thought, you know what, that's a pretty interesting device for a movie to to keep the, you know, sort of the 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 two dimensional I mean, physically two-dimensional, not not, not story-wise, but physically two-dimensional aspect of, you know, a book or reading a book with illustrations in it that might that you might be turning a page. I kind of sort of liked that treatment. So there's things in it that I gotta say it, it's it's a little bit like usually when I see a good movie that's got bad moments, you know, they really stand out. Those bad moments really stand out. And I thought this was a really bad movie that had good moments. So those good moments kind of jump out at you, but they're short lived. They don't, they don't help add up to anything, but um, yeah, it's just, it's it, yeah. <laughs> so, so there are no regrets on your end, not making this film. Uh, not not a bit not at all and i'm even happier that todd had a good experience because i know i would have had a bad experience mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden and you can't anticipate these things who 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 you know who knew and who knows i mean he fondly you know he remembers he remembers you know trying to make heads heads or tails out of leningrad because it was dark all the time and freezing cold and it was a very much a culture shock for everyone who went went over there but all in all he enjoyed the adventure of of being in the soviet union and and making this movie even though he admits it's a terrible film so he got that and, and i no, I didn't give it to him. I I denied myself. <laughs> it was surely going to be a miserable experience, and he stepped in and 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 got something out of it, and still fondly remembers working on it. And um, he's another Todd Looking Land is another one of my peers from back in the day. He was he's three years younger than I am, I think. So we were never quite in the same age category, but I saw him on auditions all the time, and he worked a lot in the seventies. And had a very very good career, so his career didn't suffer for doing this movie. Um, and like I said, he well, remembers no falling. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. It's a, that's a good thing, you know. It's like, oh wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> overall, I, overall I, I just you know before we end this, wrap this up, I, I do think I agree with everything we said. I think people should see this movie just. As you said, the history of it, uh, you know, it, it's all this great cast for one, but it's just you have you have to see this film to get a sense of what we're talking. I don't think anything we've said does it justice. <laughs> what? No, no, I can't. It's like it I, is. I, I, I can't. I feel I feel what I feel awkward about is describing these things in a movie that no one has ever seen. A lot of our forgotten films are movies that people have at least seen. They might more than likely have had experience with. Yeah. So they're just, you know, they have it in their heads in some way. And no one has seen this movie, especially, you know, except for the 55,000 Portuguese people <laughs> on YouTube. Um, huge in Portugal. Huge. Oh, man. Yeah, they're, they're, that's, that's where it's huge, apparently. So, yeah, yeah.
well let us know your thoughts uh, you know if you if you go see it please let us uh, drop a comment afterwards if you like it or if you think it's bizarre or if you do love the movie if you off chance that you do love it already uh we'd love to hear from you about this so uh i think any other last word comments no i'm done i beat this horse <laughs> to death yeah <laughs> well this has been pop culture retro i'm jonathan rosen with ike eisenman and Please, besides hitting that subscribe button, press like and ask for notifications. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.